Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com All right, we're here. It's Wednesday's Off Air. Thank you very much for listening. Now, we had a bit of a busy news day on the programme today, the radio programme, because, um, slightly oddly, we'd already been talking about Prince Harry, hadn't we? Which was a bit odd in itself. Well, the story about the car chase had actually appeared in the news and was online uh, and in some papers because... Uh, the story this morning was that they'd gone to an award ceremony. Megan was up for an award. Which she got. And they'd left the award ceremony and they'd had to leave the SUV they were travelling in and transfer to a New York cab, one of those yellow cabs, with Megan's mother to continue the journey. So we'd been having a gentle little chortle about that and wondering why they got out of a nice, luxurious uh, SUV and got into what can sometimes be a little bit of a rickety journey in a yellow cab. Uh, and then it turned out it was something far more serious, at least from their perspective. Yes. And so far, as we speak, and it's only five o'clock at night in the UK, we don't know exactly what has happened. Because as you say, we've only got their version of events. But it has to be said that if your mother has died in a car crash um, when you were very young, you never, ever, ever want to be involved in a high-speed chase with anybody, I imagine. It must be absolutely terrifying. So I think we should just reserve judgment, shouldn't we? Because oh, we very much so. Because we don't so. know enough. Very much so. And whatever the story does or doesn't turn out to be, I think you always have to think, well, what if a chase like that went wrong, really, really, really badly wrong for them? You know, if, God forbid... Uh, history really repeated itself uh, there would be absolutely no place for cynicism uh, of their experience and actually the Netflix documentary that they've done the opening scene is all about them being followed by somebody on a yeah. little moped oh, yeah. uh, in this country and you do get that sense of uh, of their fear you know whether or not you believe it to be exaggerated or whatever. We're not in their shoes. I've never been in the back of a cab being chased by somebody, so you have to drive erratically. So what would we know? So, yes, I would reserve my judgment on it. But it's amazing how quickly people do want to judge them. Oh, it's... Uh, well, well, within nanoseconds. Yes, yep. Yeah. So, so... Well, we're not going to be those people. We're not those people. We no. are without fault, and we will not do that. Uh, and also, uh, we've got plenty of other things to talk about, but it did mean that our big guest, Claire Powell, had a slightly shortened experience in our company, didn't she? But she was very good about it. Yes, she was. Um, I was just saying to our colleague, Young Eve, that um, Claire is currently uh, working from home with a small child. So just coming out and being with adults in a bit of a flurry is probably not the least entertaining afternoon she's had this week. <laughs> not that there's in any way anything wrong with the delightful company of the under two. It's just occasionally it's good to get a break. They can be long days, can't they? Uh, yes. Interspersed uh, with, I can't remember, my, my lovely neighbour, Claire, uh, she called them joy surges, that you, were, you, you could spend a whole day, uh, you know, almost 
weeping uh, into your plastic toys at home, you know, with the frustration of it all, and that would be you as well as your child, but then you'd just have these joy surges. Do you remember those, when you just looked at your child and it just, those little moments... Always made it absolutely all right to when carry they're on. asleep. Oh no, I well yeah, sometimes when they're, when they're asleep. But no, no, I had joy surges during the day when they were awake. There'd be that sudden moment because there's just a very very big age gap between you, the mum, and the little toddler. But there were always a couple of moments in the day where it all kind of joined up, and you were. I don't know, in the same Connected. kind of zone. Yep. Yeah, it is. It, actually, that takes me back to Claire's book because it is about, and it ends very poignantly, the book, um, on a conversation between mother and daughter. And um, it's, all, it's all just very close to home for any of those of us who have been a daughter or are a daughter and are now a mother or not. I mean, I, listen, life comes at you in any number of different ways. But communication is never that simple. You'd love it to be, but somehow... It just isn't. And maybe it's simplest when they're absolutely tiny. Well, yes, but this does bring me on to the row I have with my eldest daughter about Noddy's uh, biological sex or gender. Of course, they're not the same. Uh, We don't want to get into that argument, but um, this was the first row I ever had with my eldest child, and I'm not alone, because Millie says, Hi, Jane and Fia, just want you to know I had the exact same row with my mum when I was a child about Noddy. I was convinced, probably about the age of four, that Noddy was indeed a girl, and I would not hear it from my mum that the situation was any different. I put it down, says Millie, to the fact that he has quite a feminine face. Um, Does Noddy have a feminine face? He has a very likeable face. But it's definitely a boy. We've determined that. I've decided. Excellent. Uh, We're creating a little bit of a rumpus uh, over in Australia. Hello, Jane and Fee. I've been thinking about emailing in and whilst listening to your dulcet tones, it seemed like you were speaking directly to me when you said... Don't go to sleep, Penny from Australia. Your email is coming up. This was definitely my cue to join the conversation. What I wanted to share with you doesn't involve nudity, but is heartfelt. I mean, that's enough of an email. Uh, I found you lovely ladies in your podcast during COVID when my daughter was in the UK studying and couldn't get home. Listening to you regularly made me feel just a little bit closer to her. My father was born in Cheltenham and my daughter was at university not far from there. She's since been home for a visit and set off again to the UK for her master's. We miss her, but we are so incredibly proud of her courage and independence. Her passion is equestrian sport. So she's in the very best place. What a lovely class of listener we have. Uh, most kindest Australian regards, says Penny. Uh, P.S. Nude swimming Penny and I are firm friends as we're both sopranos here in Perth, Western Australia. They're just all in it together, Jane. Well, they are, yep. I mean, but, but with no clothes on. Well, uh, yes. Now, now I think the other Penny did actually email back, didn't she, uh, about the fact that we had alerted the whole Fremantle community yes. to the fact oh, that God, she yes, was that's swimming right. in the nude and it's actually illegal. It is illegal. Put yeah. your kit back on, yeah. please. But I think wasn't Penny the lovely one who had uh, who had also stood and saluted a boat going past when she was in the nude or that somebody else? I don't know. Um, anyway, can I just say a very, very quick hello to Sarah, who's got a greyhound, lives in Dalston, was listening to the podcast when I walked past her in a shop. That's very spooky. But you just should have tapped me on the shoulder and said hello, and I'm sure that we'd end up, at the very least, we'll be taking the greyhounds on a dog walk together by now. We might even have moved in together. Sarah. So what a missed opportunity that was. I think she describes it as an upmarket supermarket. Uh, well, no, she says of a well-known overpriced supermarket. Oh, overpriced. Yep. And to it's be honest, that could be quite a few. 
so I don't know which one well, it was. the price of food these days, you're dead right there. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to say this is the final word on how regular should sex be in a long-term relationship, but um, I feel as though we have, ironically perhaps, gone on about that quite a lot. Um, this is from uh, a Caroline, a Caroline, not the Caroline, not that Caroline, a Caroline, could be any Caroline. I find that the prospect of having sex is a bit like going to the gym or going to church. You'd really rather not, but once you have, you think... Actually, that wasn't so bad after all. <laughs> well, that's, that's one way of approaching it, isn't it? I think that's a very worthwhile thing to say, actually. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes you look at a menu and you go to the restaurant and you think it's going to be great and it's a bit disappointing. Well, it can work the other way around, too, can't it? Yes, it can. Yes. Yeah. It you can find yourself in the middle of an absolutely lovely meal, Jane. Head first. Well, well, I don't quite know what direction you're taking the podcast in now. It's not a workshop. God. No, no, it really isn't. Um, let's move on very swiftly to a German listener. If he's right, we haven't just got high-class listeners, although we certainly have. We've just got listeners from all over the place, some of them in clothes, not all. Uh, this is Melena. I can relate to all the listeners that shared that weird feeling about when you're estranged from family. It happened to me a couple of years ago after my dad passed away. Some people from my family didn't even bother to ask how we were doing at that time. I quickly realised that there are other people that I should appreciate much more because they actually do care as much about me as I do about them. Chosen Family is also how I got hooked up on your podcast. I was an au pair in London years ago and my host mom and I connected really well and we've stayed in touch ever since. She listens to your podcast and she wrote you an email where she told you all about my well-planned trip from Germany to Cornwall to meet them and how it all went slightly off plan when me and my husband both got COVID. I do remember that. Uh, since then, I've been listening to your podcast on my way to work and it just feels that I finally have a little bit of London in my home in Germany. Uh, Melena, Melina, Melena, Melina, what would it be? Melina. Malina. Oh, no. Would it? I don't know. No. Um, thank you so much, anyway. And we're really glad that we're bringing, bringing a bit of blighty out there to Germany, as they used to say on two-way family favourites. So I think both you and I are uh, surprised by just how many people have stories of estrangement to tell us. I confess I didn't realise it was quite such a shared experience, actually. And I suppose it goes all the way back to the first email correspondent who told us about her estrangement and explained just how difficult it was to admit to it, actually. There's a kind of embarrassment attached to it and a feeling of shame, certainly there was on her part and a feeling that she just hadn't, you know, somehow it was on her, you know, if your mm. child is the one who's chosen to be estranged from you. Well, I think if nothing else, I hope that correspondent feels, well, I think she does, doesn't she? She feels reassured because she's written yes. back to say that at least I know now that I'm not the only one. Yep. Uh, but so many different stories. And we were thinking, actually, that we might uh, do this on the programme uh, we would obviously completely anonymise any of the emails that have come our way, but we might actually talk to an experienced professional about it, see whether we can get some proper Yeah, some sort of family advice. therapist, somebody from Relate or one of those organisations, because Relate don't just do uh, you know relationship breakdown of the sort of uh, man-woman or woman-woman type, or what, what am I trying to say? Romantic. Couples, couples. That's it, yes. Yeah. Uh, they do all sorts of other stuff. So perhaps that is something we should explore. But I'm conscious that it, there doesn't seem to be... It's no good just saying you're more likely to be estranged from a son. Uh, you could just as easily judge by the correspondence 
correspondence we've had be estranged from a daughter. It could be a sibling. Uh, there could be a reason for it. Or you might be completely in the dark mm. and just don't understand why it's happened. And I suppose the value of uh, of hearing it on the radio is if you're on the other side of the estrangement, you are the one who is doing the estranging. Mm. It's quite possible that you don't know, because obviously there is a silence involved in that relationship now, how you're making the other person feel or, you know, what avenues might be available to you uh, to change the situation. So I think it would be worth talking about some more. Uh, and thank you for, you know, all of your emails. You've been so honest and it's obviously an incredibly painful thing to decide to sit down and write a long email to two strangers, although we're not strangers, we are your friends. You could never get rid of us. Uh, so thank you to everybody <laughs> who's done that. We really can't. Thank you. Uh, this one uh, comes from uh, someone who's been listening to us for a very long time, uh, entitled Podcast Titles. Uh, following your discussion about your orgy in suburbia, this is from Sandra. I quite like being told off by Sandra. Uh, Sandra says, I look back at your last week of podcast titles and wondered whether they could be taken the wrong way. Here we go. Helping grandma into her girdle. These enormous knickers are on and they stay on. An orgy in suburbia. I've blinked twice, let me out. Let loose on Noddy. And Sandra says, do you decide on these titles or is that down to production? And Sandra has put production in inverted commas. I bet she has. Uh, I've listened to your new ending and uh, I'm very glad to hear the live bit has gone. But why do you say bearing with us and congratulate your listener for getting to the end of your podcast? We listen to your podcast because we enjoy it. Would a man say the same at the end of his podcast? Hope you managed to get hold of Melanie Sykes. Well, Sandra, uh, I'm sorry about that. You could always just stop before you get to those things at the end. Uh, I never get to the end of a man's podcast, so I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> uh, and we are very much hoping that Melanie Sykes will come back on the programme because yeah, she's are. got such a great story to tell, actually, and we'd really, really, really uh, like to be able to bring it to you. But just to be honest here, do you listen to some men's podcasts? Uh, so I do, because uh, sometimes I find myself drawn into the sticky spider's web of Alistair Campbell. Yes, well, that's the issue i Rory I've got. Stewart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and... Uh, yes, I'd, do you know what? I'd listen to anything done by Jamie Bartlett. And actually, he's got a new one out at the moment, hasn't he? He was the one who did The Missing Crypto Queen. Yes, yes. He's, he's got a new yeah. one. I can't remember what it's about, but uh, it was something it's intriguing. A, it's actually a really interesting subject. It's about a woman, I think a young woman with Munchausen's <gasps> syndrome by proxy. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, who set up her mother set up a charity, and it's about whether or not the charity was valid. That's so right. happy to listen to that. So yes, I do like to listen to. No, my... no. I mean, I've I've got my issues with Campbell and Duda, uh, Stewart. Sorry. Yes, <laughs> Stewart. Uh, but at the same time, I can't say I'm not listening because that would be a lie. Um, this is another listener in Germany. Um, she's often thought about writing but never got round to it until... Um, oh, it's the subject of husbands versus dog farts that I had a view on. I did compose something in my head, she said, but it never got any further. Also, I, then I thought I write about writing to you about moving abroad. I came to Germany as a classical ballet dancer in 1984 for six months, never went back to Britain. I'd been told to get on my bike, so I did, leaving what our listener describes as an arts-hating Tory land for a welcoming theatre life. For 15 years. I'm now self-employed with my own ballet school. I'm a month and a few days older than you, Jane, and I love the archers. And I've never stopped listening. We didn't buy a house once because of an electricity pylon that interfered with the long wave reception of Radio 4. Now that 
is the sort of woman I can relate to. Would you refuse to buy a house because the paucity of Radio 4 long-wave reception? I'll be straight in there making a deliciously low offer for that house and I'll be grateful for it. I'm just never going to get into the Archers and I've nothing against people who listen to it, Jane, but it's like, you know, when you say to people, oh, I don't really like running, Mm. and if you're with someone who runs, they then basically conversationally pin you up against the wall to explain how much you'd like running if you just tried running some more. I don't like running. No, no, I'm completely with you there on running. Yep, so don't do the... You're a lesser human being because you don't listen to the archers. I just I don't, don't want to listen to the archers. I just don't know what you listen to in the bath on a Sunday night, that's all. I just can't imagine what goes through your head. Well, I don't have that long a bath because I think very, very long baths are a little bit dirty. And the shower makes such a racket. Actually, I've got a juddering shower <laughs> at the moment. Yes, yeah. And that's not a euphemism. Three separate groups of plumbers have now come round to look at my juddering shower. What's the shower. latest? Well, the latest is they've got to take uh, the whole of the back wall off the bedroom that the shower's next to in order to get to the bottom of my juddering shower. And I just decided this week to stick with the judder. Yeah. Uh, well, is it omnipresent or is it only when the shower sort of reaches a kind of <laughs> crescendo? Well, uh, I wasn't going to say that, but... Um, so the shower goes on for about five minutes and then it starts juddering and then it oh, just right. it just won't stop and then it peters out. Oh, you're all right. Don't get it seen to. It'll cost you a packet. Just have a four and a half minute shower and be done with it. Well, exactly. That's what I do. So I don't have time to listen to the archers and I wouldn't be able to hear it over the judder. <laughs> Final word on the archers. Don't ever, ever, ever bring it up again. But people wear it as some kind of a weird Masonic badge. It's don't kind they? of. It's it is like the dodgy handshake of the liberal elite. <laughs> the blob. I don't want any part of it. You'll be going to one of those funny conservative conferences making a speech about how we should all have 19 kiddies and stay at home with them. Yes, I'll be saying I've contacted Margaret Thatcher on my Ouija board. (laughs) It's one of the strangest political speeches I've ever heard. To be honest, there were quite a few uh, strange political speeches at that event. Right, let's move on to our guest today, Claire Powell, uh, the author of At the Table, that debut novel that I've been wittering on about for quite some time now. It follows members of the Maguire family over a tumultuous year of get-togethers over drinks and dinners and lunches as, well, all kinds of uh, family-related conflicts arise and relationships within the family are re-evaluated, I think it's fair to say. It's not a tragedy, um, but it does make you think there are also some really funny moments and observations in the book. I urge you to seek it out. Uh, I did put it to Claire that these sorts of books are actually rather harder to do than the ones that are deadly serious and are just bound to make you cry. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I set out to write a funny book. But then I think I was just trying to... My, my goal was just to write something that was very, very realistic and I think that life is quite funny yeah. as well as being sad and crap oh. and, you know, it's, it, it, it has its yeah. funny moments. So that was, that was more my goal rather than... Uh, but I'm, I'm glad that, that people have found it funny. People have also found it not very funny at all when I look at some online reviews. Yeah. What, what's been the nastiest online review you've had? Oh, nasty people. I think that was one that I read recently. Yeah. It said it's na- nasty people and it's a nasty family. Oh, no, but that's just... They're not nasty people. They're not, are they? No, they're not, they're not at all nasty people. They're people with full of good intentions who make the sorts of mistakes that we all make. They're human. Yeah, yeah they really are human. And I think it's communication is sort of at the heart of this book yeah. um, or sometimes a lack of it and a desire yeah. for our, a connection with our family mm. that is sometimes very hard 
very hard to achieve. Anyway, let's just lay out what happens in At the Table. It's the Maguire family. It's Linda and Jerry, her husband, and Nicole and Jamie. They're two adult children. And it starts with a meal at a very posh restaurant, the Delaunay. And just explain what happens at that meal. So, uh, yeah, so they, they're at a meal that is for... It's like a delayed Mother's Day lunch. Uh, so already when they start the meal, there's some tension because the parents haven't arrived together uh, and you can kind of pick up on this uh, already the sort of dynamics be- between the, the different family members, particularly the, the mother and daughter, Nicole and Linda. And they're all sort of ready to have this jolly lunch and everyone sort of be on their best behaviour and the parents kind of drop this bombshell that the father Jerry has moved out and he's been living in a flat uh, for the last couple of months and actually they are separating. Which has implications obviously for everybody Uh, and the adult children are of course like we all do still behaving like kids Mm -hmm. and they take it all incredibly personally. Yeah. Um, How do you stop as a child being a child. I mean, I'm still a child. My parents are still alive. I'm very grateful for that, obviously. But it does have, well, implications for the way I live my life. Yeah. I I don't know, but I think what can especially happen is one of the things I sort of wanted to look into with the book is that I think what can happen when when parents stay together, when parents are still together... Mm that dynamic from childhood can continue. So children can go back to the family home and you can be 40 years old and you can revert back to your teenage self or your child self. And you do. And exactly, people do. And what happens with this book is where when the parents separate, the children sort of have to go on a bit of a journey um, of also accepting their parents as adults and uh, individuals and not just this kind of the two parents and so everything has to change within the family because of that. Are you writing from personal experience at all that? My parents separated when I was a teenager which I think is much more common um, but I do think that it made me have a very different relationship with my parents mm. in a I would say a more grown-up yeah. Well, in a way, you're often, because of divorce, forced to spend time alone yeah. with the parent that you might not live exactly, with. Exactly, yeah. You don't see that often. Yeah, and and not in not in the family home. So mm. you're not going back for that Sunday lunch or, you know, um, the things that you were used to. Suddenly you're seeing them in a different, in a different environment and talking about different things. Um. And I love that sense at the beginning that there's almost an audacity to an older couple. Yeah getting divorced yeah. or separating with that kind of, well, why don't you just make it through till the You're end? You're so old. You know, <laughs> just make the tea bag last a bit longer, loves, yeah. why don't you? And then just this wonderful sense of why it might be, the realistic, uh, actually, assessment of a relationship that can no longer continue. I thought that was very clever. Oh, thank you. Yeah, they, they're kind of, I mean, they're both a bit immature, as in Jamie and Nicole, mm. about relationships and... Um, what they what they expect and what their sort of model is, and this news sort of sends shockwaves through their lives and makes them reassess the relationships that they have or the things that they um, ha- had wanted or thought that they wanted. 
you're a first-time novelist, mm. but you have written short stories before. And in a way, um, I wonder whether this was your kind of way into novel writing because there are relatively short chapters and each chapter is about an encounter that always involves family members and food. Yeah. So is that why you decided to do it that way? Because you'd had such success with your short stories before? Uh, yeah, I suppose. I mean, I didn't go into it thinking, oh, I'm, I've been successful in that. I think I probably just found it a bit easier to think in smaller. Um, and so I liked changing perspective of the characters and kind of going into, mm. um, I think in every chapter, I have to remember because I haven't read the book myself for a couple of years now. But uh, I think you, you I, should read it. It's really <laughs> quite good. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> have you genuinely forgotten bits of it? I'd, sometimes somebody has said something about a character and probably a side character and I've had to go, I'm sorry, I don't know who you're talking about. But it's like been a really sort of minor character and I've completely forgotten and then had to go on, well, hang on a minute, who? Oh, you mean that person or that friend, or, you know? Uh, but yeah, I think I liked the... Yeah, I, I liked myself sort of having that structure of, okay, here's a nice short chapter, it's going to have a beginning, middle and an end mm. and then we're going to move on to the next person. But you see, I think that's really helpful because I think anybody who's at home thinking, I've got a novel in me, I just need some advice about how to start, will have, will have taken that. And that is a really good way of approaching it, I think. For oh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I would definitely... I still sort of, for the next novel that I'm writing, would change perspectives because it feels easier to me than... I mean, I love books that are written, say, in first person and stick with one character mm. throughout, but it feels sort of, I don't know, a bit too big. You write from the male perspective. We hear what Jerry the dad is thinking and going through and Jamie the son as well. And I wonder, did you? I mean, are you confident in your ability to write the male voice? Because I read quite a lot of books where middle-aged men seem to be really quite confident that they know exactly what a woman would be thinking and doing. <laughs> Sometimes I'm not sure they've got it right. So yeah. how, how did you approach it? Uh, I So before this novel... I did actually write another novel about 10 years ago that I wasn't able to sell. And that was predominantly from the perspective of a middle-aged man, a furniture removals man. And uh, I loved him and I was with him for such a long time. It took me about five years to, to write it. And I felt confident in it because I completely believed him. Um, and in the same way... So, yeah, I've I've always enjoyed writing male characters and... I actually haven't heard... I mean, I'll say this now and somebody will probably write online, well, I didn't think this was... But I've actually... I haven't heard a bloke say, no, I don't believe that okay. that's... So, uh, yeah, I, I feel confident. Because the character of Jamie, the young, the son, who I said young son, he's not actually that young. He's about... He's about 32, yeah. Yeah, he's about to get married mm. and he really is having doubts. And I think you write his well, more than ambivalence about his approaching nuptials really, really well. Good, thanks. Do you have, do you have, have you got male siblings? I've got a younger brother. Okay. <laughs> Is he right. getting married? <laughs> Can we just talk a little bit about that uh, craft of writing? Because you did the MA, didn't you, yes. uh, in creative writing at the University of East Anglia, yeah. which is absolutely, uh, it is the, the very top of the pile of creative writing courses, yeah. isn't it? But still they get knocked sometimes, don't they? An author will pop up every five years. I think yeah. Hanif Qureshi did, didn't he, uh, a while back, saying, oh, it just makes everyone derivative. Yeah. If you're really talented, you don't need to go on a course. What did your course enable you to do that as a clearly very talented writer you wouldn't have been able to do without it? Uh, I mean, one, yeah, I was pretty talented 
before I went on the course, but I think the course massively helped me. And I've done other writing courses since. I actually went on a summer course at The Stinging Fly is an Irish magazine. Um, they did a summer course a few years ago. Uh, I think you need readers. And I'm not saying do an MA because it will give you readers, but it will... Um, for me, I took a year out from work. I It gave me the time... And I knew that I was writing for this group of really good readers mm. to read every... I think we did it about every month. Um, and by you, readers... You submit work. So my mean, group, my workshop. Yes. yes so yeah. the other, my, my course mates. Um, and, and they were brilliant and they all had really good feedback. And um, I don't think I could have got there by myself. I'm not saying I had to do the MA. I could have done other courses, but I absolutely think I'm suited to courses. I'm suited to sharing work. Of course, somebody else might say, you can do it without it, and people can, but... Um, but you had a way with word. You're an advertising copywriter, aren't you? Yes. Are you still doing that? No, not at the moment. Right. Well, I had a baby last year, and I'm, I can't, I'm, I'm trying to not do copywriting when I put him in nursery and go back because I'd rather keep writing fiction. Yeah, I think now you I probably, do. Well, you probably yeah. will be able to, <laughs> I, I'd have thought. But um, when you do advertising copywriting, you are, I mean, it's you're literally writing for money. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's a yeah. really tough gig, isn't it? Yeah. Um, what was the most obscure bit of copy you had to write without naming the brand? Well, I did a lot of writing for uh, a sort of healthcare stuff and so I did a lot of writing about people uh who have bladder problems right in fact not just bladder problems I've done everything down there written about yeah have you yeah mom deserves better than a drugstore card this mother's day surprise her with a truly special personalized card from moonpig add your favorite photos a heartfelt message and we'll even mail it for you the same day all for just five dollars from mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60. Claire Powell, the author of At the Table, is our very welcome guest this afternoon because I have been raving about this book. Well, everybody's sick to death of me talking about it. I'm sorry about that, Claire, uh, for some weeks now. Um, let's talk about the whole um, food at the centre of the way the book plays out because most of us actually, I mean, I'm 58. I'm, the reason I think I, it resonated with me is I'm the same age as, as uh, Linda. So there's a lot about Linda that I can see in myself. And when I was growing up, we didn't really go out for family meals. Or if we did, it was one of those roast dinners where you could start with half a grapefruit or a glass of orange juice, <laughs> served completely independently of anything else. Um, but what was your childhood eating out experience like? Um, well, I mean, not too dissimilar from that. We we certainly, we only started going more to restaurants uh, when I was older. And in fact, more really when, uh, yeah, like a, a late teenager and older than that. Um, 
I, it just wasn't part. It just wasn't what you did. No, people, people, people didn't. People, people, people didn't exactly. No, it wasn't I, like we were unusual. And I think today's younger children. I mean, presumably your child has already fine dined in some of Absolutely. the greatest establishments in yes. London. Yeah, yes. it is odd how that has changed, and we yeah. don't really comment all that much on it. Yeah. But also at the heart of this book is the notion that Linda particularly feels this: that other families somehow do it better. She's an observer of other family activities, other families being really at ease with each other, it mm. would appear. And we all think that, and we're all wrong, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and she... I think Linda feels... I mean, she feels a sort of distance from her children who feel like they're in this... They're sort of part of a different culture to what she grew up in anyway because they seem so much more sort of metropolitan and... Um, yeah, sophisticated. Sophisticated, yeah. exactly. Uh, and then she looks at uh, other families and thinks other families seem so much more happy and, and, and together and loving. And yet somebody else could have looked at the Maguires before Linda and Jerry separated and thought that they were, a, you know, a, a really happy couple. I mean, the children the children did think that. Yeah. Um, yes, it's actually always quite depressing. Let's not end on this okay. bit. No, we're not, we're not going to end here. I'd much rather hear about your happy family meals out with your nan and granddad at the Pizza Hut. Oh. In, I think it was Eltham, is that in, right? In Eltham, yeah. Yeah, they'd take you there. They would take me there. That was... I had... Very, I have very strong and lovely memories of um, my my nan and granddad were amazing at uh, childcare. They they looked after us a lot when when we were younger, um, and weirdly, my nan and granddad kind of have always like when I think of their ages, they were probably in their fifties then, and yes. yet they have always seemed like my nan and granddad. Neither yeah. of the uh, both of them are dead now, but yeah. um, I still think of them as being kind of old and you know granddad what he was wearing and my nan and her perm um but yeah we we absolutely loved pizza hut and i think for my generation i'm in my late 30s uh that was definitely a, a restaurant that a lot of us went to. Well, actually, you're right. It was a kind of a gateway restaurant, wasn't definitely, it? Definitely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for all sorts of I'm reasons. I'm in my 50s, 20 years older than you, and Pizza Hut was a destination was, of it? delight <laughs> yeah. Yeah. when we were growing up. And actually, it was where my mum would take my sister and I if she ever needed to really get us out of the teenage doldrums. Yeah. We'd go to Pizza Hut. We were fascinated by the salad bar. Absolutely, salad it was just great. the height of luxury. Was yes. it? Was it healthy salad? It was healthy salad. No, it wasn't. I didn't realise it wasn't healthy for a long time, and oh, then I think on. somebody what was told bad me that... about it. I mean, it might have been out for a while. Thousand but... Island dressing. Thousand Island dressing. <laughs> potato salad. Bacon bits. It depends what you're having. Maybe you were having the green salad. I think there was a green salad on offer. There was a green salad. I remember there being a lot of sweet corn and oh, definitely there was a, lot a lot of grated yeah. carrots. Yes, that's yeah. true. So that's not bad. Yeah, that's all right. I don't think most people just stuck to that, though. I yeah. think they might have had it and then a bucket of Thousand Island dressing oh. on top. Yeah, it was all of that. Yeah. So now that you are a parent yourself, are you slightly haunted by that whole how will we communicate in the future thing? Because, I mean, that winning Kate Winslet drama, I, did, yeah. I Am Ruth. You see, I tried to watch that and actually I found it so excruciatingly yeah. painful yeah. that I had to just pack it in. It, was, it wasn't that it was bad. In fact, it was brilliant. I just couldn't watch it. No, I talk to my friends about this all the time who just had babies and we're all kind of like, well, we don't have to think about it yet because we've got 11 years before, you know, they we have a device them. or something like that. And by then, yeah. Instagram will have moved on. Something else will be... Uh, but also, I've I've had a boy, and so I'm saying to uh, my uh, partner, his dad, can you just take over when he's a teenager? Because I've just got no idea then, and 
I don't want, even want to think about bedroom stuff and all of that, you know. Bedroom stuff? Oh, like the smell. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, I see. <laughs> Smells. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> a bit concerned, though. Do you know, I think you've got such a nuanced ear for, you know, what people are saying, but actually what they might really be thinking. I would predict that your parenting will be as nuanced and you'll probably be absolutely fine. Thank you very much. I think you will be too. <laughs> and the poor old removal guy who was left yes. in your first novel. Yeah, publish that. Is, that not published? Published? He is he coming might back? Be coming back. Oh, good. <laughs> the music to my ears. I think I'd like a copy of that, Claire, if you don't mind. And what, what's your next one going to be about? Uh, Just a hint will do. A hint, um, a missing person. Okay, right. Is that going to be a little bit comic or is it all... A missing person and two people's uh, relationship with him, two different people's... Again, I'm not going to write it to be comic. I hope that there will be some light moments. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. That's Claire Powell, who's a little bit worried about the future. I think her son is really tiny, so there won't, he won't be... Well, he will be emitting um, certain odours, but um, nothing she needs to be concerned about at the moment. Mm. And I do think she's got that... I mean, that's why she's such a successful writer already. Uh, I think she's got that real um, observer's genius, actually, uh, to hear something in what seems to be normal dialogue that you're reading that actually tells you so much at the same time i think dialogue is very very do you ever um i've done this actually i've recorded a conversation and then written it down in the form that the conversation actually occurred and it looks nothing like it would look in a book yeah so it's a very yeah it's a very because, very different art yeah because it's you talk over, i mean i've just done it you talk over people you interrupt you repeat things i mean it's i've done you know it's a it's, yeah, yeah and also a lot of conversations, <laughs> you don't know where they're going, but in books, well, speak for yourself. you have to know where they're going. Yeah. Well, yes, yes. Yeah, so it's a very different art form. Can I feel my PhD coming on? I don't know, darling. But at least it'll get me out of your life for a while. <laughs> well, that's, uh, you know, that's... Pursue how it. How long's a PhD? It can take years. Yes. It really can. Yep, run with that. Sounds like a great <laughs> okay. idea. Look, you? if you've got any advice for uh, the shower jugger... <laughs> no, seriously, because people... I mean, at the moment, I've got a funny issue in my house where if I put the hot water on, the heating also comes on. Well, I bet that's much easier to fix. Well, I don't know. I've had a bit of chin stroking going on in my house as well. I think I've got a lime scale build-up. Right, <laughs> OK. <laughs> And start with cranberry and see how you get on from there. OK, Jane and Fee at times.radio or tweet us. No, don't tweet us. Uh, you can, but we're not us. here. It's obviously a podcast. Do you know what we decided in the production office today? Isla's on production with us today. She had a very, very sensible suggestion for uh, a way to deal with a particular illness that can afflict the ladies. Uh, and it was to mix milk and bicarb of soda. And we didn't know whether that was to to put it on somewhere or to drink it but maybe I'll try that with my chattering shower <laughs> just bathe in <laughs> alright okay well, let's get that lovely man in from Pimlico Plumbers Charlie Mullins <laughs> oh shall we <laughs> actually we could have a plumbing show that would be fun no oh, okay. oh come on oh come on everyone's got some kind both, of a plumbing issue we could do issue. both lady plumbing man plumbing and, and actual house plumbing. plumbing yeah I think that's a great that's idea. the podcast that no one's done so far <laughs> Well,
well done for getting to the end of another episode of Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. Our Times radio producer is Rosie Cutler and the podcast executive producer is Henry Tribe. And don't forget, there is even more of us every afternoon on Times Radio. It's Monday to Thursday, 3 till 5. You can pop us on when you're pottering around the house or heading out in the car on the school run. Or running a bank. Thank you for joining us and we hope you can join us again on Off Air very soon. Don't be so silly. Running a bank? I know, lady. A lady listener. I'm sorry. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com